Welcome to I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Careview. Every week, a guest and I will be discussing an album that we both fucking love. We're going to find out how the record or band entered our lives. We're going to do some track-by-track observations and, of course, any other thoughts that come our way. Warning, these are conversations held by adults, and sometimes bad words will appear unedited. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. If you can hear me, today we will be talking about Songs for the Deaf, the third studio album by Queens of the Stone Age. It was produced by Josh Homey, Adam Casper, and Eric Valentine, and was released on August 27, 2002 by Interscope Records. It features Dave Grohl on drums along with other guest musicians. It was also the last Queens album to feature Nick Oliveri on bass. It's a loose concept album, taking the listener on a drive through the California desert from Los Angeles to Joshua Tree, turning into radio stations from towns along the way. Loud and clear on the other mic is stand-up comedian, in-house graphics guy, and so far the only one of my bastard children to agree to do this show, Herbert Pshahodny. Herbert, say hello to the people. Hey everyone, how's it going? Derek? Oh, it's going well. You ready to uh, you ready to talk some Queens of the Stone Age here? I'm more than ready to to amuse you about my experience and my journey with with this album in particular. Actually, well, I'm really looking forward to that. So, uh, how did uh, how did you discover this album? Uh, well, it's re- it's really particular the whole story that I have had with Songs for the Deaf. I remember that it was back in 2002, as you said, that no one knows uh, was hitting the video channels like, and I was a little teenager i guess that it was like 12 14 years old discovering and exploring music and the song just totally blew my mind it was really fun the video was really weird uh, like you know like this deer punching all the all the band band members and i kind of dig it but back then i didn't speak like english or didn't understood so i was just enjoying the music and it was still a couple years ago that i picked it up again and I just realized how good of an album is this one, and and it totally changed my concept and vision about about the album itself. So so yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much my my relationship with songs for the deaf. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. So when you first listened to this, uh, this was before you learned English, so you just enjoyed it for the music. Yeah, yeah it was really catchy. Plus, I I recognized Dave Roll on the drums in the video, and I said like, damn, I like for fighters as well. So I kind I kind of find this kind of attraction for the band just because of the fact that they brought was playing drums i will say mm-hmm. but but yeah like besides the purely musical rhythm and how catchy the songs were there was no like a more deep meaning for me in the album till a couple of years ago as i told you a moment ago yeah so for for me i uh, i discovered uh queens of the stone age because i was a fan of caius Oh. which is the band that Josh Homey uh, was in before. So uh, Welcome to Sky Valley is an album I'm still hoping to do on the show because I fucking love it. And I had originally bought the split disc that they put out. So it was Caius and Queens of the Stone Age. And I was under the impression that Caius had put out a record named Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> so that was the first time I... Uh... It kind of makes sense, right? <laughs> Sure, it made perfect sense at the time, and then realized after the the release of the other record that uh, um, okay, so no, this is the the new band, uh, and I, I liked that first record; it was fine. And then uh, Rated R, I loved; it just blew me away. Oh, Rated R is is, is something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a great record, and maybe one that'll again maybe will show up here as well. 
but so I was really looking forward to this record coming out because I heard that Dave Grohl was going to be on drums and that Mark Lanigan was mm-hmm. going to be singing on some tracks because I think he he'd even done some stuff uh, on the on the previous album and just something about it I was really looking forward to this record. I remember going into uh, my favorite my favorite record store because the album ended up being delayed. It came out I think two weeks later than it was originally supposed to, and so I kept coming in and. Um, it was like, oh, you know, is it out yet? And they're like, no, it's been, it's been pushed back. And so then I'm out shopping. I think it was like a week later. I hear the song played over the, the system and I'm like, this is that fucking record. And I go up to the desk. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, yep, we just got the promo today. We saw you shop and we played it. So we wanted to see if you would come <laughs> <laughs> ask about it. And so they gave me the promo copy of it. You know how a lot of times when you're really looking forward to something, it doesn't quite live up to what you want it to. And it's almost a little bit disappointing. Uh-huh. That did not happen to me with this record. It was immediate. I fucking love this record from the first play. I recommended it to a ton of people. Anybody who asked about any kind of heavy music that year is like, you must get this Queens of the Stone Age record. And uh, and this is obviously the one that helped them break through because I think Rated R did okay, uh, as far as I know. But this one was a huge record. And I think some people still consider this to be their best. I can't necessarily disagree with that. I love this record a lot, which is, I guess, ex- exactly why we're here. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like, I mean... Retro Art is really good record indeed, but this one in particular is more like radio friendly, I will say. Even even though the whole content in it is a bit not too radio friendly, in my opinion. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd record in how it's, at times it's it's kind of brutal and it's really heavy, yeah. but it's, it is it is occasionally radio friendly, but not in a way that feels calculated. I just feel they went into the studio and they made the best record they could make and this is what they had at the time i think it just translated to what you could play on the radio at the time i don't think that was a um, something they were trying to do i just think it's what ended up happening but, but they did like at least in colombia they were massive like these songs were playing over and over again didn't know how how much of an international reach it had so uh, that's that's pretty cool because i was still yeah i was still in tampa when this came out it was a couple of years before i would move to poland so we're going to dive right into our track by track analysis and uh going to start by talking about the different types of of openers that we uh, we have on here. So the, the call to action, the blueprint, the setup, and the teaser. Our first track, we're going to skip the zero track because it it's not even on <laughs> it's not even on Spotify, at least for that, and it's nothing. So we're going to say track one, uh, you think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. This is a blueprint uh, song for me. It opens up with the radio station, and this is something that goes throughout the record. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, Kip Casper from KLON and that really sets it up. And, and even though there's these, like any other album that has skits, I have a tendency to just skip those because I don't care with one exception. I still never feel the need to, to move past the radio stuff. It's usually pretty short. This is probably the longest one, but it really sets up just this idea of you're going to be hearing some different radio stations, the different DJs. And then I like that it does that thing where, uh, you can hear the guitar low in the mix uh, for a few seconds and then pow, it just opens up and it's a song about tequila. So, uh, you know, what can you say? Uh, this one just, it hits hard. Uh, it, the only reason why I don't call it a call to action is because I think the next song hits even harder. Uh, so this really sets up what you're going to see on this record. Uh, a lot of the sounds, a lot of the themes, this whole uh, DJ radio thing. It's a fucking great way to start a record. I love this song. Uh, what about you, Herbert? What do you think about this one? Uh, yeah, I, w- I will disagree with you uh for me it's rather like a setup because uh yeah like this whole first bunch of 
30, 45 seconds, like the beeping on the car when you just open the door, that you just like buckling up and then you start searching for, for, for the radio station that you want to listen to. And as you said, like this, uh, the, the guitars and the drums like being muffled and suddenly like a Nick's shout like dead bull, just like, just get your ner nerves on, right? It's like, wow, what is going to happen now? <laughs> But yeah, like I, I really like the the whole the whole line of the of the DJ in the beginning when he says like uh, that there are songs that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. It's like damn, this is like a really interesting concept, <laughs> you know. And then and then just like give these like songs for the deaf, uh, you can even hear it. Kinda, it's kind of deep in there, and that connected with the muffled with the muffled sounds in the beginning is like damn. Should I should, should I turn up the volume up? And then you just blast it up till 10 and suddenly you just receive that charge of explosion with the lyrics. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's a really great song. Yeah. With the name of it, the like clone, the clone radio. Yeah, clone radio. <laughs> and it's so funny because I was such a, a huge fan of the radio for so long. And then you just saw in the late 90s and in the early 2000s in America uh, where Clear Channel Communications was just buying up all these radio stations because they had changed uh, the federal rules. So instead of uh, radio being a real a, a community thing, it was just being programmed by some dude 10 states away you know mm -hmm. radio really a lot of stations lost their personality just because there there wasn't that local connection anymore and actually it makes a lot of sense this first line i was uh, doing the doing the research for for this podcast i read a really cool quote uh, i guess that it was from nix uh, it says like we play music we want to hear but we can buy it in the stores so we have to make it these dj clones uh, quote totally overlaps with this intention that Queens of Stone Age wanted to do this like really cool music that they cannot find anywhere else. I think they did that, yeah. So, And I, th I thought it was an interesting choice to have an, an Oliveri song to open up because obviously Josh Homme has a, a, a smoother voice, mm -hmm. like a friendlier voice. And they just decided right from the get go, like, no, we're going to just, we're going to go. And you get that, the screeching Nick song and it's great. I just, I, uh, there's just, I've, I've really enjoyed listening to this record these last couple of weeks. Yeah, same here. <laughs> it's one that hasn't really left me very, cause I'll put this on every once in a while anyway. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to sit down and do some research and I'm going to look at the lyric and I just listen to it. And then I'm like, damn it, I didn't write anything down. Yeah, and it doesn't feel <laughs> long at all. Like there are songs that hit the six minute mark, but still it happens so quickly. Everything it's a, it's a good opening uh, song. definitely. Let's go ahead and move on to track two. No one knows. What do you got for me, Herbert? Uh, well, this introduction, like the one that present or introduce to me to Queens of the Stone Age. So I, I really dig it, everything of it, but in particular the bass line. At the time that I hear the song, I start to pick a bass as the instrument that I like uh, to play and to learn. And here the whole bass line is, is just a masterpiece. I really enjoy to, to listen how all these nuances are happening all across the song and like the changes between the distortion and clean guitars. It's, it's just a really good and playful song. Um, my favorite part, or maybe not favorite part, but again, like the DJ uh, outro is, is really cool because it's this Latin DJ with a thousand surnames that is like totally, <laughs> totally mocking up on the, on the on the Mexican and South American culture of having several hundreds of surnames. So it's like quite funny as well. And I remember that in high school with my friends, we were like always saying like, oh, this is DJ Hector Bonifacio Chavarria Cervantes de la Cruz, Roger Rojas or whatever. I don't remember how it's a full name. <laughs> You know, it's, it's a good, it's a good song. Yeah, this is a great song. And, and just like I said, that first one is such a great 
opener and you're like, where are they going to go from here? And then this one just because they had the radio set up and you're, I was wondering, you know, are, are we going to have to, is it going to be every single track at, right at the beginning, which I think would get tiresome. And it's just like, no, it's like, bam, next song. And it's got like this great choppy guitar. You know, it's the smoother vocal. So this is where I think uh, Josh Homie sings on this one. Yep. And the riff and the drum fills at the bridge. So before, right before they get to the chorus, mm-hmm. when it all just comes together, you listen to like, yep, that's why they hired Dave Grohl. And it just all comes together and it's just fucking badass. It's like boom, 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 boom. I just love it. Yeah, and, and it just makes you wonder why Dave Grohl stopped playing drums. He's such a good drummer in this album. Like, it's, it's just amazing what he does on, with those old groovy, you know, drum kicks and feels. It's, it's just a good drumming in here. I tell you, one of the things, uh, listening to this record and then trying... Uh, to make notes so we could talk about it is this is one of those places where I wish I knew more about music on the technical level mm-hmm. because I find myself writing things down and it's all just like sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> so if that gets a little annoying, I, I apologize. So we'll see what we can do. And and yeah, and I love how this one ends with the radio spot. I, like one of the stereotypes in America is that people uh, who speak Spanish speak Spanish very, very fast. <laughs> and it's like the least amount of breathing involved when you speak and it's great. And I love the little horns that kind of come with it behind. <laughs> and then it just bursts right into the to the next song from there so first it giveth and you'd mentioned before that you're trying to play bass or that you do play bass uh and i can see why i can see why any bass player would love this record there's a ton of great bass lines uh and the bass is obviously an instrument in rock and roll anyway that often you don't you'll notice it if it's not there but you don't always hear it and this album is definitely an exception and you can see why it's you know i can only imagine how troubled Nick Oliveri is in real life because he is so good on this record, whether he's just playing bass or what what he's doing with the vocals and and I'm sure his uh, uh, contributions to the songwriting because I love this bass line that opens it up and then how big everything gets right before the chorus. Mm -hmm. It's just so great because it's just got that rumbling little bass at the beginning, boom, the drums, bam, the guitar, and then once again, it just all fills up right before you get the chorus. Man, I just, this is, <laughs> this is another fucking great song. What do you think? Uh, yes, I, I mean, uh, as you said, like this intro is just like a punch in the face. You don't expect that, to be honest. And, and then the whole build up from the first verse all the way to the chorus. And then you, or at least you expect that there will be some like really massive explosion in the chorus, but the chorus is so mellow, but at the same time it has this like really nice distortion in the guitars. It's, it's, a, it's a really weird nuances and shade of of sound in there, but it's really enjoyable. Ah, uh, yeah, and, I, and as well, there is like this small guitar arrangement at the end of the first chorus, if I'm not mistaken, that is like an acoustic guitar and kind of like a flamenco kind of sound. Yeah. And it's like, what? I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> It's, it's really cool song to, to be honest and the chorus is really catchy you don't need to listen in to it like 10 times to know the lyrics after the second or third replay you're already like where's it Kevin? So. <laughs> <laughs> that's been one of the great things about listening to this it's just all the little there's like the little nuances that you were just talking about and I talked a little bit with Jim a lot of times there's just a small thing that'll pull you back to a song like obviously you're going to have a big hook or a great chorus or something and that's going to want to make you listen but it's also like those little flourishes that will bring you back and we talk about that little moment of acoustic flamenco style guitar 
that doesn't feel like it should work, but it fucking works perfectly yeah. right there. And I think one of the things with Homie, he just does a really good job of putting these little things throughout the song. Uh, one of the things I had forgotten to mention with the very first track is there, and they do this a couple of times, but there's that moment where things just kind of stop and then they oh, start again. <laughs> and I just love that. And there's a time I'm going to talk about it later, but just these things are just so, uh, so much fun in this album. And it just really feels like everybody's having a good time. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and, the, and there is another, another like little detail about this song in particular is that this is one of the songs or the very few songs in the whole album that doesn't have a clear bridge. Uh, if you listen uh, like uh, carefully, you will notice that the second verse has a totally different mood than the first verse. And it's like kind of bringing a bridge as a verse. It's, it's really weird structure and I, and I really enjoy it. They just like change the, totally the mood for the second verse and then just go for the chorus, outro, and that's all. It's, it's really smart writing the song. I hadn't really picked that up. So again, this is my lack of general music knowledge or specific music knowledge anyway. All right, so going on then to track four, A Song for the Dead. What do you think about this one? Uh, well, it's the first song where Mark Lanigan appeared on vocals. And, mm-hmm. you know, you are you first got like a Nick Oliveri's uh, explosive song uh, sound. Then you get like a Josh Homme's like more melodic, high pitch kind of songs. And then this is pretty eerie, I will say. It's really spooky <laughs> at some times. Plus the lyrics of this particular song is like a totally low key in the whole album. And it's where, like, the whole concept of Songs for the Deaf is starting to materialize, like, that this journey that the character is taking is, like, okay, where we will go from here. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really like it. I really like the little thing that they did with with the Black Flag song. I didn't pick it up this in the beginning. When I was doing the research, I read, oh, the guy just based the drum intro into a Black, a black Flag song. And then I just went to listen to it and say like, oh, that's true. It's really cool. So, so yeah, it's, it's a really good song. I, I really like it. I think you stole all of my notes, Herbert. <laughs> I say almost exactly the same thing because I love how it starts with that kind of urgent sounding riff uh, and then just some great drum work right there at the beginning. Uh, and then, of course, Mark Lanigan uh, appearing for the first time. And I don't even know how many times I'd listened before I realized this was Mark Lanigan because he's really pushing his vocals to the to more of his extreme side because you know we'll hear him what you kind of expect uh, on a couple more tracks later on and then i even have in direct word like a spooky background vocals yeah. <laughs> uh just those ahs going on in the background and then and, and then it just kicks into overdrive this is such a great tune and fun having the the mark lanigan uh addition to it because he's such a great vocalist yeah and another interesting thing about this this song is that the chorus has no lyrics they have a really cool chorus, but it's just based on ah, which is pretty smart as well because they don't require to do like some like something like really fancy or something really introspective for the chorus and the topic of the song, but just this like us as a chorus, it, it worked pretty well. Another thing I didn't quite uh, quite pick up on, so thanks, Herbert. I was just here reading my notes. And <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty for this one in particular, so that's why, oh yeah, I need to forget about the chorus. <laughs> Track five, The Sky is Falling. This one starts out like maybe it's going to be uh, a little bit more mellow. It's, uh, it feels like it's, yeah, we're going to get a little bit of that down tune, uh, down tempo song. Uh, 
Uh, but then, you know, those, it gets those just metallic guitars, and uh, I really like the atmospherics of this one. Once again, with those background ahs going on, which we heard to a different effect in the previous track. I think this song is this song is a little bit too long. I think it wears out its welcome just a bit, but every time it all, it, there's a, a couple of new things that come up along the way. Uh, like almost towards the end, there's like this real snaky guitar line which kind of comes out of nowhere. And then he's like, okay, so then you're, I'm back interested in the song. This is one I, I wish they would have just trimmed a little bit, but I, I love the um, uh, the DJ at the end, <laughs> the elect- elastic ass, like the KRDL, the Colonel. And he gets like this radio lifer. He's probably worked at 27 different radio stations in the last 26 years. And he's just <laughs> has that voice that sounds like he just doesn't care about anything anymore. Uh, but he knows how to run the board, so he keeps getting hired. It's so great. What do you think about this one? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I will just pick it up on the on the on the radio station as well. When he say like uh, we spoil music for everyone, <laughs> it's like we, <laughs> we don't we don't give a crap about you guys. And then like this little kid just like messing around and sounds like the clap and shut up, blat. <laughs> it's quite funny. Uh, but yeah, like this this song is one of my favorites from the album. To be honest, I I, I really enjoy the song. It's like really nostalgic intro and. It has like this, like a really distorted, distorted uh, guitars and bass. And what I like as well is uh, the little bridges that are between the choruses and the verses. When it's like close your eyes and see the skies are falling, the melody between the guitars and the voice is like is something out of this world. It's, it's really it, it it really kicks me in. Uh, yeah, and pretty much uh, the very ending of the song when you start from the major tones to the minor and then. If for a moment it got a bit kind of silent and then it starts all over again, it's, it's, it's a really good song. It's one of my favorite ones. What about uh, Six Shooter? What do you think about that one? I mean, it's another Nick Oliveri's uh, great song, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's raw, it's crude, it's violent, it's explosive, it's desperate. It, it's, it's, it's awesome, especially because it's like almost in the middle of the album. Uh, the character of the of the whole concept album is already like going somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and then it's like fuck this road. People are fed up of driving among the desert, you know, and and it's it's a good song. Short blast of aggro, just <laughs> and it's you know not it doesn't hang around for very long. And uh, I've talked to a couple of times on the show about this the bloat that we would see in the mid to late '90s, early 2000s when people were writing for CDs as opposed to writing for vinyl. And sometimes I'll look and it's like, oh, 14 tracks. Do we need 14 tracks? But then there's a couple of these just little blasts. And then we're like, all right, then we're going to go on to something else. Don't don't worry about it. Don't 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 get upset. Uh, so, yeah, this is not a whole lot to say about it. But they said just a little bit more Nick insanity. And it's fantastic. All right. Which goes on to uh, Hanging Tree, track seven. What an awesome baseline intro. I don't know how many times I've written this down. I love the baseline intro. Uh, Lanigan is back for some more, and this is where we, uh, this is more like the, the Lanigan we're kind of expecting. Uh, and I love how it just, it, the, the way it flows from Six Shooter into Hanging Tree, and it's just like, okay, it, two very different songs, but I think just flow together so well. Like this first half of the album just zips right through. Because uh, there's not a whole lot with the radio stuff on this first part. Obviously at the beginning and a couple little ones there, but it's just like this first half just zooms by. Creepy and moody song, and it's it's great. What do you think? What I enjoy about this song is the contrast with Six Shooter. 
Uh, Hanging Through is not my particular favorite song on the album, to be honest. It has a really nice arrangements in the background. There are a couple of new instruments that weren't utilized in the previous tracks. There are some, uh, I don't know, like there are like some cellos or something like that. It's like a really nice, spooky, uh, darker side of, of the music. Like um, Mark Lanigan's voice as well works really well in here. But again, this is not my favorite song. However, it's really good forward or like you know introduction for what it comes next <laughs> again this contract you come from six shooter you just calm down with hanging tree and then the next track is like another explosion of of energy yeah it's a, so it's well placed on the record i think it comes right where you need it to again I, I i think it's a great tune but that brings us to the end of the first half of songs for the deaf from queens of the stone age on i fucking love this record with my guest herbert Shahodny. uh now at the top of the show i mentioned that you do do stand up uh and tell me how did you get involved with that uh well that's a really interesting story like uh when I was in Colombia, actually, I, I kind of felt like doing stand-up comedy, but the concept of stand-up comedy and the comedy in general is not too well explored and developed in there. So I totally left that little dream or bucket list item in, in the back of my head. And then it happened that it was New Year's Eve 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And there was this uh, local show, open mic uh, here in Brotswell. And then I just decided to go as an audience member. Of course, I had a couple of beers. I was still hangover after the, the Sylvester party. And I don't remember the host. I guess that it was actually you or Jim. I don't remember. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they said like somebody from the audience wants to try uh, five minutes for a beer. And I'm that cheap that I say, yes, I will try it. So I went there. I told this like a really awkward story and people laugh. I really enjoyed the reaction and then I decided to come back again the next month and the next month and the next month and it turned out to be like a new habit and like the uh, the collected the other, other comedians were like really like welcoming and like uh, providing feedback and yeah and that's it, it was just really natural the way that this bucket list item turned out to be like one of my hobbies and things to do after work. Always happy to, to have you around. And uh, anybody who uh, is listening to the show that lives here in Vratwav, uh, a lot of the poster design that, that gets put out is done by Herbert. So uh, if you've come to a show just because of the poster, uh, you have this gentleman to thank for that. So we're going to move on now to side two, track eight, Go With The Flow. Herbert, what do you got for me? I mean, this song is a masterpiece. <laughs> I, I love the piano in the beginning, like this intense piano building up all across the drums the guitar is is an awesome song if not my favorite is one of my favorites it's, it's really hard to say because of the intensity of, of the song it it doesn't let you take a breath it's, it's it's really nice and and josh homie's voice and the whole melody within is really nice um yeah i i just really like it and and it's it's just like the perfect moment for the album to pick it up again and just go for a darker side because you feel that, okay, from now on, we are going to see a brighter side of, of this journey through the desert. But in fact, that is not, it's going to get harder. <laughs> so, so yeah, and there is this particular line that is really nice. It's like, but I want something good to die for, to make it beautiful to live. It's like, whoa. Herbert, Herbert, stop, stop looking at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because I love the guitar. I love the guitar in this song. 
and just the driving rhythm and the piano that's just set in the back. It's kind of like that barroom piano. Just it just going and it's so great uh, and it just I think elevates um, just whenever that's there. And I have here, uh, I, I want something good to die for, to make it beautiful to live. Thank you, Herbert. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can I can see why this is one of the songs they chose to release. Uh, it's so good. And I, like we said at the beginning, it's not trying to go for commercial stuff, but how anybody could not like the song, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it just go. This is This is a great song to drive to. It's like get in the car and go, go, go. And, and I mean, it's like just go with the flow. Is is so chill. Just the name, the title of this track is is it, perfect. It's like I just have it on my notes. Like everything about this song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then let's go ahead and move on to "Gonna Leave You." Uh, this is one that reminds me a little bit. Like, this sounds uh, a little bit like it could have been on rated R because it's got more of that flat guitar tone. It's great here. Um, it's got that you know, low-end start. So like the guitars just feel, I don't know even know the exact words for it, but uh, I like the you know, no more pictures, we ain't friends. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's um, like the solo break. Like I, I, you know, I grew up listening to heavy metal, and so almost every song had like an extended guitar solo, which I normally don't really care for. And so when I'm, if I'm on YouTube, kind of reliving my, my teenage years listening to old metal records or something. Once it gets to the solo, I'll just go on to the next song. <laughs> Find something else so I kind of hop around because it can be a little bit... Uh, but I love the break here. So it's like, I don't, it's not exactly a solo, but it is just that instrumental moment. And I think that's really cool. And it's just a, a nice little, hey, I, it's not that we're breaking up. But it's like, I'm gonna break up with you and it's gonna happen really soon. So just so you know. Uh, what about you? What do you think? Uh, yeah, this song for me, like... Uh... I really like it, uh, like in terms of the music. Uh, is I, I, I don't know why I feel like really, I don't even know how to put in words, but I, I really like to, to hear the, the instrumental in here. Like if I can isolate the, the lyrics with the with instrumental, I will be happier. But yeah, it's like, it's really nice how it builds up, like the, the bass line together with the, the symbols of the drums every, in every octave is like a really nice, uh, game or played of sounds is it's just really nice and the chorus is super catchy again it sticks to your head like after two or three times that you play the song mm -hmm. but again like the lyrics in here are like really cryptic i would say you don't know if they're talking about the relationship with the father or with a girl or with drugs really eerie song but yeah i like it leaves it leaves it just vague enough yeah but, uh, yeah okay yeah. so that brings us on to track 10 do it again and what are your thoughts here Oh yeah, this song actually, I really like the way that I guess this one is sung by Josh, if I'm not mistaken. But I really like the how the verse starts, like with this fall over and over and over and over, like this repetition of words in the verses. Mm -hmm. I, I I really like, I really enjoy that because it's like just gives you this like sense of urgency and that you need to realize that we are talking about this particular thing so so yeah it's it's, it's really nice uh the guitar it, there's some moments that the guitar has like this kind of shouting screaming sound uh, i don't know what is the technical name but it's like this screeching guitar i would say i don't know so so yeah i really like the instrumental in here yeah i like as well in here again we have like the the radio transmitter kind of interlude in here, what? Ah, yeah, because the next song, yeah. So it, the, the 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 whole thing of that I don't want to do it again, but I will do it again. It's like this, like 
duality about the drug consumption of our character. It's like, wow. And then the radio station, he just end up listening to some like Jehovah Witnesses kind of kind of thing, speaking about God and so on. It's, it's, it's a really cool song. Yeah, this is a good one. Not one I have a whole lot to say about. Again, it's a Josh Homme singing, so it's got the, the smoother vocal and uh, some interesting guitar stuff. There's that where he kind of just throws that little thing at the end, like the, the kind of like a wah that goes on uh, a few times, which I think sounds pretty cool. The wah, that's that's the word that I was looking for. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. And I don't think that's a technical term, but we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> and this at the end of the track has the longest radio segment. And this is the only one that I'll, I'll, I tend to skip because uh, I think it goes on just a little bit too long. So once the song ends and then he's kind of and I get the whole point as you're searching through. And I've I've done long car trips in America where there are these stretches where you, there's nothing but in a goofy religious radio. So I get that part of it. And and it does have that feel of it goes on too long, which is probably on purpose. Again, they put it at the end of the track. So you can say, you know, it's not like it's at the beginning of the next track. And you have to sit through it to get to the song. So I think I, I can appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, so that brings us on to track 11, God is in the Radio. And this is such a fantastic song. This is the song that really initially hooked me. Uh, I think mainly just because it's got such a great vocal performance from uh, yeah, from Mark Lanigan. And uh, I want to say, because I, I tend to put together a mixed disc at the end of the year of like my favorite songs. And this, I think, was the one I ended up choosing because it was so hard to pick at the time, uh, even though now I, I would go with a different song. I just I love the, the concept of this song and I love the production of this song and I love the vocals and the guitar. And uh, this is a, a fantastic song. What do you think about this one? It is definitely I, I have here like and I don't clearly remember why I wrote this, but it's like the intro causes me causes me anxiety and but yeah like the whole group of the song is really nice i i just i just feel like that i'm in some kind of wild west canteen bar just listening to to the band the, the bar band just jamming out like super talented people that are like totally underrated you know mm-hmm. so so yeah it's, it's a really good song i really like it i really like uh, the whole on the lyric side uh, how they mock on somehow on the popular culture and when it says like God is leaking through the radio between station to station it's like rock music is here man it's here to stay and usually the rock the rock music is like kind of satan kind of thing so so it's, it's really nice but but yeah and the change of face at the very end of the song is like with these guitar leaks and that only one single note on the piano and the whispering on the voice behind it is, is like it's really nice. It's a really good way to close the door, uh, the, the song. And what do you think about another love song, track twelve? I mean, it's it's another good song to be honest. Uh, is a song that most of the people knows. It's like I will say that it's the most welcome song from the Queens of Stone Age. Besides, no one knows. Uh, yeah, the riff on the guitar tone is awesome. It got me like this kind of post punk kind of sound. Uh, Nick Oliveris on this song sings really awesome because he's not shouting, he's actually singing, which is really weird. (laughs) (laughs) So so in the beginning, I I didn't realize who is singing this song. So then when I did the research, like, whoa, really? It's Nick. I was really surprised. And I hear, yeah, in general, the sound, the rhythm of the song is like Joy Division meets Cash meets Queens of the Stone Age. It's it's a really weird song, to be honest. It's, it's, It's a really weird but nice song. I have a similar note, like, this is a Nick song. <laughs> he has an actual singing voice. How did that <laughs> exactly. happen? Go on to track 13. 
I love the guitars that are happening uh, while the the DJ because like, I think it it comes in from that last song, right? Yeah. And she's got the the accented English and and there's this kind of like creepy guitar going on in the background and it's kind of cinematic. And then when this song kicks in, oh man, it is so good. It's just got once again that driving rhythm and just like cool guitar happening and I just I love this song. What do you think? Yeah, I really like the fact that this is one of the very few songs, or if not the only song in the whole album, where Josh and Mark sing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this, like duality in the chorus is really nice, and it it brings to a different level this song. Musically, the song is really perfect to close the whole journey. Like if we just keep this concept of the album that we are like driving through the desert, it's like a really nice song to finalize this whole road trip but again it's another melancholy eerie spooky kind of song with these weird sounds at the end and this last really painful line of mark lanigan for the death it's like (laughs) it's it's just like okay it's over guys but it's actually not (laughs) over right because then they start again like this, like the reprise from, from Rated R, or actually, I guess that is the intro from the track one of, of Songs for the Death. I don't remember clearly which is, but it's like... It's from the Feel Good Hit of the Summer. Feel Good, yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's that one that's all about drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I had taken my son here in Poland to a, a playground, and there was a birthday party going on for kids, and they were playing this song, and they were playing that song, which... The entire the entire thing is just different drugs. I mean, the, the chorus is cocaine, <laughs> uh, and so here instead of singing, they're just doing ah, ha, ha, yeah, ha, yeah, just laughing, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really cool because it and it was one of those when I first heard like Whoa. oh you know because it just took me that one second to figure out what was going on, but it was great, yeah. yeah but it's a it's a good way to to wrap up the whole the whole album. To be honest, I know that there is a hidden track, but for me the album ends here so let's say the the concept of the album ends in this one uh we we can move on talk uh just about the hidden track mosquito song i'll let you go ahead and start do you have any notes for mosquito song yeah it's i guess this well it's a hidden track so i wouldn't say that it's not needed in the whole album but i mean i don't feel that gives any added value to the experience that we have had so far it's kind of depressing song kind of coasting really mellow one and the lyrics are like self I don't know how to say, like, just putting yourself in a really insignificant position, that you are worthless, that, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't like the song in particular. I try to skip it or, yeah, avoid it in general. Hmm. Okay. I, I always liked this one, and I, I was never a fan of the hidden track and other goofy CD technology things that were happening at the time, but there was something about this song that just grabbed me, because I think it's I'm a sucker for the slow ending, and this is a really pretty song, and I, there was something that it just kind of gave, it got, the, it got its hooks in me, and I remember putting this on a, a mix for, I think, my sister. I don't have a ton to say about the, you know, let's say the lyrical content or whatever, but it's, uh, I, I think a good song and I think is a perfectly fine way to, to end the album. But a song for the deaf also, also works if you, if you decide to skip the hidden track and obviously we're not going to talk about any kind of bonus tracks or anything like that. So that brings us to the end of the album. Herbert, do you have any final thoughts, anything you would like to impart before we go? If you haven't listened to this album, do yourself a favor, drop everything that you are doing and, Play this one in your favorite platforms, Spotify, Deezer, YouTube, whatever, but you must. (laughs) 
this is a must album that for every single rock fan has to listen at least once in their lifetime. I would agree. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, of course, it's one of those weird Facebook things. I've been listening to this record, but on my phone, and now I keep getting ads in Facebook for the this album that's being re-released on vinyl, which I would love to get, but it's super expensive because uh, I think the initial vinyl release it didn't have a huge one. This is when things weren't necessarily coming out um, on on records. And so this one, I think, had a, had a small and it's pretty expensive to get. And now they've done this super deluxe two bread discs and it looks beautiful and I want it. So my final thoughts are if anybody wants to buy this record for me because they love me so much, I will allow them to do so. No objection. Yeah, because uh, this is uh, so obviously the whole point of this show is that these are records I fucking love. And this is just one that a lot of times I, I'll just I, I have to move on to the next album because I need to prepare to talk about it. But this one has just lingered. <laughs> I've been yeah. listening to this for a while because I was I thought somebody else may take this one. So I started to get a little jump on it and I can't stop listening to it. I fucking love this record. It's a great record. Thank you so much, Herbert, for joining our conversation today. Uh, so now our listeners, if they uh, are interested in finding out more about, let's say, where you will be doing stand up or if you need uh, some kind of graphics done, they can reach you at Facebook. Find you. There can't be too many Herbert Shahudnes from Columbia. Yeah, or just worldwide comedy. <laughs> worldwide comedy yeah so you can find find us all there uh, i have been the Derek care of you for i fucking love this record if you would like to co-host an episode drop me a line at love this record at gmail.com thank you very much and herbert goodbye goodbye Derek. thanks so much thank you for listening to i fucking love this record now available on itunes spotify and stitcher please subscribe share and comment for this and other podcasts, please check out www.lovethisrecord.com, where you can also sign up for our monthly newsletter. If you would like to co-host an episode, write to me at lovethisrecord at gmail.com. Instagram and Twitter, we are lovethisrecord1. Facebook and Pinterest, we are Love This Record. Music at the top and bottom by The Ashes of Grissom. Special thanks to original patron Mark Evers for getting this podcast back on track. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.